This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Uh, over the past few weeks, we've been doing a little bit of a series called Keys to End Times Thriving. Now, I, this is just something that the Lord kind of spoke to my heart. And initially, I was like, well, let's call it Keys to End Times Survival. And then I realized, wait, we've never been survivors. We're thrivers, right? I don't want to just barely get through this thing and God say, wow, you survived it. You made it to heaven barely. You did make it, though. You survived that world. I don't want to be like that, man. I want to thrive. I want to go running up there to heaven. Come on. And so we, as Christians, as God's people, as God's children, even if it is the end times, even if it is a crazy time in this world, we can thrive, we can succeed, we can flourish, we can bloom, we can have incredible things happen in our lives. And I'm telling you, Psalm 91 says, only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. And so everyone's like, well, somebody told me, I know there's a lot of bad stuff going on, and I just don't see anywhere in Scripture where Christians are exempt from that stuff. And I said, what? I didn't go that high-pitched, but I kind of went... Mid, maybe one octave lower, but it was it was loud and high pitched and shrill. And I said, "What are you talking about? It's all over the Bible where God delivers the righteous." Have you read Genesis six when a great big flood was coming and God said, "Noah, I need you to build a boat and I need you to get your wife and kids on there. I'm going to save the righteous, even though everything else is going down right there." God always provides a way of safety and a way of protection and a way of escape. For his children. He's a good father. Who thinks that God's a good father? I think he's a great father. And I know he loves us. And even if things are crazy in this world, God has a way of making it incredible in our lives. Yeah, we see some stuff. We're aware of it. There's been some effects. We've seen some of it. Listen, we get that. But God has a way of protecting his children and of making them to thrive. In fact, Isaiah chapter 60 tells us that in the end, gross darkness is going to cover the earth. It says it's going to be, it's going to get darker and darker and worse and worse for the people of this world. But for the children of God, for those that are righteous, It's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And I'm saying I'm in on that crowd. I'm in on the bright crowd. Amen. Come on. And so anyway, we're looking at some keys to end times thriving because it is the end times. And we've seen that and we've proven that. And I'm not going to go into all that today. But undeniably, we're seeing Bible prophecy fulfilled by the day. In 2020, by the day, I mean, every day we see something else happen and we're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, Jesus said that was going to happen. Check. There's another thing off the list. But it's imperative that as Christians, as people of God right now, that we stick closer to him than we ever have before. You do not want to let go of God right now. You want to cling to him and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, like Psalm 91 says. And well, how do you, how, how do you get under somebody's shadow? You gotta stick close to him. You don't get under it by being a hundred miles away. You stick as close as you can. And that's where I'm gonna live my life. Amen? Alright, so, we're gonna look today at two keys to end times thriving. And I believe this with all of my heart. I'm not just saying this. This isn't just something that sounded good. I believe this is key to your 
not only survival, but thriving in the end times before Jesus comes and calls us home. Number one, simply church. Church. (laughs) That may not sound deep, but I'm going to get into some stuff here. Getting to be in God's house with God's people, getting to come hear the word of God being taught to you. There's a thing called the anointing. And in fact, Isaiah said it removes burdens and it destroys yokes of bondage. And when we get in to the Lord's house together and the word of God is being preached, we're worshiping, we're raising our hands, we're singing whether they want us to or not. We're doing everything that God's word tells us to do. The anointing comes in and it will break bondages off of your life that you couldn't you couldn't do that at home watching YouTube. Praise God for YouTube. I, I mean, come on, I watch YouTube. I watch preaching on there seven days a week. But listen, being here in the anointing in God's house. Things happen that didn't happen when I was sitting at home. I'm just going to say that. So let me show you a verse here. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. I learned a lot from March through June of this year that I never knew before. Then stuff that I didn't really care to learn. <laughs> but Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Who's thankful for a church to go to? Who's thankful that you've got brothers and sisters that care about you? Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 25. In fact, this was our theme verse for 2019. And now I see why God had us pick it, because he was setting us up for 2020 so we'd know what was up. Hebrews 10 verse 25, it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. There are so many angles that we could go at this verse. I'm going to break it down into just a few things that I see out of it. But this makes no two ways about it. It says, do not neglect meeting together. It's talking about church. The King James calls it the assembly of the saints. Well, what does assembly mean? It means to gather together, come together in person with other people. And it tells us here, don't neglect the assembly. Don't neglect getting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So I'm going to just kind of highlight a few things out of this verse that are super important for us. Notice right here, it says meeting together. Can everybody say that? Meeting together. Now, I don't like regular meetings because I have to go to lots of them. And so, but I do like this kind of, I like a church meeting, right? I like coming to church. Those are good ones. But this refers to us physically showing up at the same place. And, you know, we've been told by governments, atheists, haters, people that, that aren't real fond of our beliefs and our faith, that it is not essential for us to come together and worship God together. As he told us to do, uh, you can get the exact same thing by being home online. And I'm not knocking anybody. I know everybody's going to do what they got to do. Not judging, not knocking anything. But from March through June, when I had to watch from home online, I did not get the same thing that I got when I was here. And of course, how do you describe that to someone that hates God anyway? 
Well, they're like, you're just saying that. No, that, no, 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 no. You can get the exact same thing, and that's not true. And the Scripture tells us to meet together, to assemble ourselves. So, you know, when they said, no, it's the exact same thing, uh, you, you know, you're, you're not, there, there's nothing special about being together. You don't know that what we know, okay? And so we determined, you know, like the, like the talk show host, that was a lie. That was a lie. That wasn't true. You tried to trick us, but it didn't work, okay? And so another thing that it says here is to encourage one another. To encourage one another. Notice it doesn't say, assemble yourself so the preacher can encourage you. Hold on. Though everybody that preaches from this pulpit, our intent is to encourage you. My intent is never to tear you down and to make you walk out the doors feeling worse. I always want to encourage. But this puts a special emphasis on all of us chipping in. Thank you for your holy silence. Am I at the right? Am I watching online again? Because I don't hear anybody. Listen. Listen, it says we are to encourage one another. That means you've got an obligation. You've got a duty. When you show up to God's house, it's not only to receive, but you should be encouraging somebody else. You should be talking to somebody. You should be doing your part to encourage one another. Well, I just don't believe that. It just said it right there. There I went high-pitched again. What's up with this? Listen, it just said it right there to encourage one another. And I can tell you that my church family encourages me. They help me out. They encourage me. And that's my intent is to encourage one another. But here's the third thing that I'm grabbing out of this verse here, okay? Notice this last part. It says, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Here's the kicker. Church has always been important. I mean, you know, if if you're here, you probably somewhat agree with that statement. It's always been important, but it tells us right here that it's especially important the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ coming to rapture his people to heaven. It was important in 2019. It was important in 1950. It was important in 17. It's always been important, but it says right here, don't neglect Meeting together. Don't uh, neglect. Don't forsake the assembly of the saints. But it says, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's that's key to your end times, not only survival, but thriving. And so can you see why Satan wants churches closed? Can you see that? Satan's having a heyday. He loves churches to be closed down. That, that's his dream because the scripture tells us that one of the keys to Christians thriving in the end times is to meet together. Can you see how in 2020 he is having a heyday loving every second of people not being able to go to church? Now, according to Barna Research, I shared this stat a few weeks ago. As of August 28th, surveying over a thousand churches in the United States, they determined that by the middle of 2021, one out of every five churches would permanently close due to effects of the coronavirus. This isn't a twisted thing, a slanted thing. This isn't Barna Research is respected. It's a Christian organization, respected, well-known, notable, real deal organization. One out of every five would not be able to recover from the long-term effects of being shut down for that long. Do you think Satan's crying over that? Oh, man, I really don't want churches to close down. I 
He's loving it. He's absolutely loving churches not being there at the moment that they are needed the very most in the history of the world. And so, you know, just just go with me for a minute, okay? You know, we we always hear say, well, you you don't churches in the building anyway absolutely man i have church anywhere i'll have have church in the basement i'll have church at subway i'll go down to mcdonald's and have church out there in the park i don't care i'll have church anywhere i get that but if you think that it's not essential for christians to gather together at least once a week and encourage and warn each other and listen to god's word then you don't have an understanding of hebrews 10 25 it tells us that this is key. Well, I know, but I don't, but, 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 it, I, I, it, but this is, the, listen, if being closed down across the board, okay, was not that big of a deal, if, if, if Christians really believed, if Christians really took it to heart that, well, you don't need to have a building to have church, and you don't, but listen, then we failed the test, because in the United States over the past six months, churches being closed down, listen, they didn't rise to the occasion. They, they didn't go out and get the job done. Divorce rates since March are up 34%. And that was already over a 50% national average, though we have proven that for people, and I say this every time, for people that consistently attend church at least on a weekly basis, according to Harvard University, the divorce rate is below 10%. But the national divorce rate is above 50%. Since March of this year, divorce filings have gone up. That's sick. I hate stuff like that, man. I don't want to see that junk happening. And we've seen that 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 suicide rates have skyrocketed. Some doctors at some hospitals, uh, at John Muir Hospital in Walnut, whatever, California, they said we've had more suicide deaths than COVID deaths. People can't take it anymore. They can't go to church. They can't they they can't take it anymore. And, And it's absolutely appalling and awful and horrific church is essential for you for me i'm not just saying that because i like to have people in my church come on man listen you got less people you got you know not you know it's a little bit easier i want as many people as we can get but it's not so we can say we've got a big church i want to help people and i'm tired of seeing people depressed and angry and sick and poor and tired and divorces and children being messed up. Listen, it's absolutely key. And I believe that the writer of Hebrews knew exactly what the Lord was telling him when he said, in the end times, as Jesus draws near, it is vital that you don't skip meeting together, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I saw this quote from the CDC control director, Robert Redfield. He said this regarding teenagers. We are seeing, sadly, far greater suicides now than we are deaths from COVID amongst teenagers. We're seeing more deaths from suicide and drug overdose amongst teenagers than than from COVID this entire time. That's a CDC director. Kids, teenagers, adults need God's house. They need the anointing. They need to be around positive other Christian people, can somebody say amen to that? We ain't even stretching that. That's not, I don't even feel like I'm stepping out on a limb to say that. That's essential to our survival. Churches need to be open now more than they ever have in the history of the
the world because there's greater problems than there's ever been. And we've got answers that people are searching for. I know how to get you out of depression through the word of God. I know how to fix marriages and restore children. I know, not me. The word of God tells us how to do this stuff. Come on. Listen, this is our moment to rise and shine for the glory of God. It's not the time to go into hiding. Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher from England in the 1800s, he said, find a church that preaches the gospel. Go to that church and go often. And I agree with what he said right there. Go and go often. And I can say this, and I feel confident in saying it, that here at High Desert, we preach the gospel. We preach the word of God every time that we're up here. And that's that's our whole endeavor, High Desert word center we're just trying to bring the word of god out there and let it speak for itself and god can take over the rest in your life if you'll apply the word and so here's a few reasons that i as a christian love church not me as a pastor but i as a christian because listen just when when i wasn't a pastor i still went to church i was a christian and katie and i were in college in oklahoma i wasn't a pastor but we found a church and we went there all the time. I mean, I we went, I'm, I'm just saying, there's always, you, you make time for what you want to do, right? Am I right? I, you know, like, well, I just don't have any time. Listen, uh, this is just us. We didn't have kids, so I, I will say, hey, when you don't have little kids, life tends to be just a little bit. Anyone? Just a little bit? Possible? Okay. Little bitties. I'm just going to, I'm going to throw that out there. But no kids. Went to two colleges simultaneously, worked 40 hours a week, and still went to church twice a week and found a way to serve. Why? I mean, we are tired. We are tired all the time. But listen, King David put it this way in the book of Psalms. He said, passion for your house has consumed me. I just love God's house. I just love to be around Christian people. I like people, and I love people, but I really like to be around other Christian people, and I like to be in God's house. I feel better when I'm there. I'm happy when I'm there. I learn, and it challenges me and encourages me when I'm there. And so here's a few reasons that I, as a Christian, not as Pastor Dave, love church, because it refreshes and strengthens me for the week ahead. Like, man, I already, I've got a busy week coming up this coming week. I'll tell you that right now. Busy week, but I'm, I'm banking on being at church. That's gonna give me that boost, that shot in the arm that I need to tackle anything and everything that comes at me in the coming week. I'm ready for this. And then I'm gonna stop back in on Wednesday to get my midweek fill up. Somebody say amen. Come on. Listen. I'm coming for the middle of the week, and and we need this. Uh, I, I love the worship. I love to worship God together with other Christians and hear a whole building full of other voices singing praise to God. I love that. That's the most beautiful sound in the world to me. My family worshiping Jesus, my children, my wife, my church family singing praise and worship to God together. You think Jesus doesn't like that? Jesus loves that, man. To hear praises being sang to him. Well, another thing I love about church is it challenges me. I don't want to stay the exact same that I am right now. If I'm wrong, I want somebody to tell me so I don't pay the price for being wrong later. 
You know, and so sometimes the police pull you over and, and you're getting to well, officer, I didn't I didn't know the law and ignorance is no excuse, bro. One time when we were back in Indiana, I, I, I got pulled over for speeding. OK, don't judge me because I know some of you have you've had that, too. All right. But the guy sees my California license and he's like, sir, do you know what our speed limit signs look like? I'm like. They're the same everywhere in the United States. Anyway, I mean, you say you're from California, and they're like, oh, he's probably some hippie, you know, out there. Anyway, so, like, it's the exact same everywhere, buddy. But listen, ignorance, you, ignorance will still cost you in the end. Ignorance and, and not knowing that you're wrong can still hurt you in the end. I want to come to church, and I want to be challenged, and if I'm wrong, I want the Word of God to tell me that I'm wrong so I can get better, because if I'm making the same mistake over and over, and I'm being held back in life, I want breakthrough. I don't want to keep hitting the ceiling. I want to go everywhere that God has for me. Another thing I love about church is my children learn the Bible and learn what it is to serve God. My kids see me in church. I don't, I mean, I don't know everybody, but that's hugely important to me because I want, when my kids grow up, I want them to go to church and I want them to take their kids to church. And listen, how do they learn that? By following our example. I'm just talking about things that I love about going to church. I love that there's a whole bunch of little kids here that see what godly people look like. I, I, I want my kids not only see me being a, the right example, but to see you guys being the right example. It's essential and it's important. I love going to church because I can bring my tithe to God's altar and present a little piece of what God gave me in the first place back to him and say, Lord, thank you for blessing us this week. Thank you for giving me a job and income so I can provide for my family. And, and Lord, I know you gave, you, gave, you gave it all to me, God. I couldn't do anything I'd do without you. I just want to give you a tithe of what you blessed me with. I love to show up to God's house and give that to him. And finally, what I love about, these are just random thoughts I put down, random. You could add it or more, but it reminds me that I'm not alone. Sometimes in this day and age that we live in, maybe on your job, you feel isolated. Maybe in your own house, you feel like you're the only Christian in Barstow, in the high desert. Like, man, you feel outnumbered. When I come here, I don't feel outnumbered anymore. I feel like, wait a minute, there's a whole bunch of us. There's a whole bunch of us in this thing together, and we are going to overcome. We are going to make it through. We are crossing the Jordan River and going to the other side. We're getting there someday, and it's not just me. Amen? And so, regarding the church thing, I'm going to move to my, my next point. And, and, but I do want to say this. People say, you, you can... You can you can be just as saved as anybody else and never go to church. And listen, that's the truth. Going to church is not what makes you a Christian, right? You know that, right? Being here is not why you're a Christian. Taking communion, being baptized doesn't even make you a Christian. So it is true. You can be just as saved as I am or as, as, as Connie or anybody else in here and never go to church. But it's a lie that you can be just as strong as the rest of us and never go to church. Who wants to be the weakest Christian out there? 
You're the weakest link, right? Remember the TV show, The Biggest Loser? I don't want to, hey, I'm the biggest loser that there is out of all the Christians, but hey, I'm a Christian still. No, I want to be strong. I want to have answers. I want to be filled up every single day so I can do what God's called me to do. And I remind you, Hebrews 10.25, he tells us church is essential, especially when Jesus' return is drawing near. Somebody say amen today. And the second thing I'm going to say is this. Keys to your end times thriving, it's this, is praise. Praise. Now, some, some people, that flies right over your head, and you're like, yeah, we like to sing. But there's, some, there's a certain percentage of you that get what I'm talking about. And I'm hoping that everybody, after we look at some verses here, will get what I'm talking about. But you need to realize that praise is a weapon in your arsenal that can tear down walls, that can absolutely take you to the other side. Your your willingness to praise, and, and sometimes the Bible called it giving the sacrifice of praise. Well, sometimes it's a sacrifice because I don't feel like singing and praising right now. I'm not in the mood. But if I will sacrifice, if I will make myself actually do something that I don't feel like doing right now, it is incredible the power of God that can come in and destroy barriers and obstacles and pull down strongholds in my life if we will praise. Now, some people, they come to church and, you know, oh, it's the, it's the song time. It's, it's the time that they sing songs. If you think that we're just singing songs, you don't get it yet. I can sing songs anywhere. I can go out to the car and sing songs right now. I'm not here to sing songs. I am here to praise the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. I'm here to praise his name. And some days I don't feel like it, but that's when I give the sacrifice of praise and at those moments man it's incredible what god will do look at acts chapter 16 can we look at acts chapter 16 today acts chapter 16 i'm going to show you a story here about paul and silas anybody know who paul is so we got the story of paul and silas and what had happened was this there was this demon-possessed girl that she had this ability to tell fortunes. She was a fortune teller. And so she had a couple of gentlemen that owned her. And so they would they would profit off of this satanic ability. And so people would pay, and this girl would tell their fortunes. And, and I'm telling you now, if somebody needs to hear this, I don't play around with fortune-telling and sorcery, and I don't play around with tarot cards and horoscopes. That will jack your life up up that's opening the front door and saying satan come on in man you can have whatever you want in here if you give the devil an inch he will take a mile and absolutely roll over your life don't you as a christian dare mess around with that absolute garbage you see what god said in the old testament about that stuff you would run from that i don't play games with horoscopes fortune telling that will absolutely invite satan into your house i'm telling you that right now whether someone needs to hear that but so here we have paul and silas they cast the devil out of this girl and so she loses her ability to be a fortune teller well her owners are angry because that was their income 
That was their income was this teenage girl. And so they go to the authorities. They have Paul and Silas arrested. They are beaten to a bloody pulp and thrown into the inner dungeon. So let's see what they do during their time of imprisonment. Acts chapter 16. We're like starting at verse 22. And so it says this, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Man, I thought I was having a rough day. That's bad stuff right there. That's, that is, that's difficult. Verse 24. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Imagine this. You are beaten to a bloody pulp. You are, your, your back is shredded open. You're, you've got your head locked up. Your, your hands locked up. Your feet are chained together. It's the inner dungeon, the middle of the night, and all you did was serve God that day. You woke up, read your Bible, cast the devil out of some girl and set her free and changed her life. And now you're getting beat beat up. You're in a prison and you are in the absolute worst situation of your life. What do you do next? Do you complain? Do you tell Do you need to fill God in on how bad your situation is. I found out that he doesn't really need filled in. He already knows what's going on. And so they could have sat there. God, why this? This is fair. This is fair. All we did was serve you. All we did was do what you told us to do. And here we are in this mess. Some God we serve. Whoa. And I hear people say stuff like that. They could have turned on God. They could have turned on each other. They could have been mad at the government, been mad at the people around them. There's a lot of options on how you could feel if this was your situation. But what did they do? They started praising Praying, singing hymns to God in the middle of the night. Look at verse 26. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. How did that happen? Praise. They chose to praise God, even in the midst of a bad situation. Don't tell me that praise is not powerful. Praise is one of the most powerful and effective weapons that God has given us to use. You know, well, I just don't understand it. Well, it tells us, the Apostle Paul wrote, that the weapons of our our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. And so what does that mean? The weapons that we fight with, this battle that we're in, they don't make sense. They're not earthly weapons. They're not, they're not carnal. They are spiritual. And praise is one of those weapons that God will use to get you through some bad situations. And I'm telling you right now, in the end times, we are going to face some difficult and not fun circumstances at times. Listen to what I'm about to say. The outcome of some of the situations you face very well may depend on your ability to praise in the middle of the storm. I'm going to say that again. 
the outcome of some of the storms that we may go through may very well depend on your ability to praise even in the middle of the storm. That's the absolute truth. It is essential and vital and key to your thriving and surviving in the day and age in which we live that you be able to praise God even when it's not easy. And I decided I'm just going to start practicing right now. My life is good. It's incredible. Things are great. But I'm going to start practicing my praise right now, even if there's no difficulty, even if there's no storm, because the moment that a storm comes, I want to be so ready, so, so prepared. I'm going to know how to get into God's presence right at a moment's notice. I'm going to praise God, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's mediocre, whatever's going on. I want to be able to praise God any time that I need to. Brother Hagen told this story about this young girl that was a missionary way back in, the, in the, the 20th century, and she had developed smallpox. And, you know, we hear that, and we're like, well, that's, that's not cool. But back then, we're talking killer, bad disease. And she was praying and praying and praying, and somehow was not breaking through this barrier. And so she said God gave her a dream and a vision, and she saw in this vision one of those old-fashioned scales that, you know, it had a, had a, a, a thing on each side where you, you put stuff in it and it weighs it out. And so God showed her, this is your spiritual life here. One side of the scale said praise, the other side said prayer. The prayer side was all the way down, filled up, but the praise side was completely empty. And so God said, the moment that you balance out your praise with your prayers, you're going to receive your healing. And so she said she spent the next two days doing nothing but praising God, even though she felt sick, even though she didn't feel like it. And when she got those things balanced out, the praise with the prayer, she was instantly healed of that disease and it never came back. Why do I say that? Because everybody knows that prayer is important. Christians everywhere pray. At least they should be. Everybody knows that it's important, but not so many people realize how vital praise is to you getting the breakthrough that you need. I heard this other story that Brother Hagen told of this this preacher back in the back in the 1940s that he had got tuberculosis and and he got every people had prayed for him. It was getting worse and worse and worse till finally he just had to go out to his in-laws ranch in Texas and wait to die. And so he said one day he was laying on his bed and said, you know what, I'm going to crawl out there to that tree stump. I'm either going to pray till I'm healed or pray until I die. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's the best, you know, attitude to that, but that's what, that's what he was going to do. So he crawls his way out there and he starts praying and nothing's happening. And so then he's like, you know what? I'm just going to praise God anyway. And so he starts praising. And at first it's just a gentle whisper because that's all the strength that he has. But as he goes further with it, he starts getting his voice a little bit. And so he starts praising just a little bit louder. And, and, and as he's continuing and not stopping, he starts getting a little bit louder and a little bit louder. And next thing you know, he's up on his knees praising God. Next thing you know, he's up on his feet praising God. Next thing you know, he's running around the yard praising God so loud that a farmer nearly a quarter mile away heard him shouting at the top of his lungs, praising God, and he was healed that very day of tuberculosis. Listen to me. Praise is 
powerful in our lives. And you in the end times need every weapon, every advantage that you can possibly get a hold of. I'm filling you in today on some weapons that you have that are the chance for you to thrive or just barely make it through. We want to thrive. Praise makes the devil mad because the more you praise, the more you sing, the more he realizes, wait a minute, they aren't they aren't so afraid of me anymore. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're supposed to be sad and they're over there singing like a fool. They're over there dancing. What's wrong with these people? It makes the devil angry. I heard this story about this this old lady. She loved to praise God. She would go out on her porch every day and just sing praises to God. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. She went out there every morning and just loudly praised and worshiped God. She had a next door neighbor that was an atheist. Shut up. God ain't real. You're wasting your time. So she'd just sing louder. And so she'd go out there and finally she had kind of hit some rough times at one point in her life. And she goes out there on the porch and, and she's just praying like she always did and praising. And God, you know where I'm at. I thank you. You always provide. You always take. I'm not even worried. God, I need some groceries this week. I'm all out of food and I just want to praise you. I know they're coming and you're going to be my provider. Well, the next morning she opens the door and there's a bag of groceries right there on the door. And so she starts praising. Hallelujah. God did it. God did it. Her neighbor pops out from behind the bush. Ha, I got you. I put those there. God didn't do it. And she starts praising. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only did God provide the groceries, not only did they show up, but he made the devil pay for it. So the neighbor's like, I can't win. He takes off back to his house. Listen, God's going to take care. I don't care who pays for it. I don't care how it comes, but I'm going to praise God no matter what. It's one of the best weapons that I have been given as an end times Christian. Let's shout hallelujah today. Hallelujah. God is good. And kind of the last thing I want to say about why praise is so essential, especially the moment of history in which we live, because it's a big part of what we're going to be doing when we get to heaven. Well, what are we even going to do up there? Man, I can't even name all the things we're going to do because I don't know all of them. But I can tell you this, singing and praising Jesus face to face, kneeling down at his feet, worshiping and praising like we've never done before that. And I mean, and if you're not a worshiper, if you're not a praiser, that may sound like, yeah, okay, that's cool. But man, if you are full of the Holy Spirit, if you are full of the love of God, I say that and it brings tears to your eyes, man. You're like, I, I, I can't wait to see Jesus face to face, to bow down at his feet and get to tell him what I really think, tell him what I really feel, sing praises and worship him that's about the best thing that i've ever heard of in my life revelation chapter 7 revelation chapter 7 i want to give you a a quick little glimpse of heaven here revelation 7 revelation chapter 7 and so no doubt about it this will be a big part of what we do in heaven is praising and singing to Jesus, praising God the Father. It's going to be an absolutely incredible thing that, that I mean, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Millions of people, millions, maybe, I don't know, millions 
gathered together, singing in chorus to Jesus. Revelation 7, verses 9 through 12, the Apostle John in his vision of, of heaven said, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. Now, this is one of about three places in the book of Revelation where it refers to all of us praising and worshiping God together. But notice here it says people of every tribe, every nation, every color, every ethnic group, every language, every all of God's people, no matter who they are, where they're from, what they look like, gather together as one great big family worshiping Jesus, worshiping the Lamb. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. We're shouting that together. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. They sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God Forever and ever. Amen. I do not want to miss out on this experience, man. There's nothing in this world that you could give me or offer me that makes me not want to go to heaven. I can't wait to get there. And so two great things about heaven that we saw right there is the people assemble together and the people pray together. And that is why I'm telling you right now that two big keys to you thriving in this day and age is being together and singing praise to God. You need to get a head start because if you don't like to be around other Christians, you're probably not going to like heaven too much. There's a bunch of them there. You don't like loud churches, you probably won't like heaven because it's super loud there. There's literally millions of people singing. And angels and other living beings, as it says there. If you don't like praise, if worship ain't really your thing, you're going to struggle in heaven because we're going to be doing this stuff for billions and billions and billions of endless years. It's going to be incredible. And so my whole thing is, I don't want to wait. I want to worship God right now. And so as I kind of bring it in for a landing and close down today, I'm telling you right now. It is so essential, it is so important, it is so vital that we get a hold of some of these things that I've mentioned here. Church is key to you making it. Learning how to praise God even when you don't feel like it is possibly the maker or breaker for some of the situations that you may face in the coming days, weeks, months, years. You've got to get a hold of this stuff. It's real. And God wants you to thrive, not survive. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.